0: Welcome, FEI Engage subscribers. My name is Olivia Berkman, and this episode is a conversation with Steve Rivera, Vice President, Global Technical Accounting Advisory Services and Policy at Johnson and Johnson. Steve talks about his battle with cancer, balancing family and work, and authenticity. Please enjoy the conversation. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Vice President of Global Technical Accounting Advisory Services and Policy at Johnson & Johnson, Steve Rivera. Steve has been with J&J since 2005 and is responsible for their worldwide accounting compliance in R&D collaborations, business combinations and similar types of investments while providing guidance on technical accounting and accounting policy issues. He has been involved with FEI's Committee on Corporate Reporting, we call it CCR, Since 2010, some key projects he's worked on with CCR's working group with the FASB included the adoption of the new revenue recognition standard and the adoption of lease accounting, among others. He's also been invited to join the Big Four and SEC subcommittees and is an active member participating in the review and preparation of comment letters to to the FASB and SEC. Recently, he was nominated to chair the CFRI meeting this November, very excited about that. Before I introduce you to Steve, I want to highlight that we're doing something a little bit different next month. We're calling it How I Got Here Power Skills. On March 30th, I'll be speaking with Elisa Gelbard, She's the founder and CEO of Point Road Group. She's going to be talking all about landing the job that you want. So she's going to do a deep dive into resumes, networking, uh, interviewing, LinkedIn, and everything else you need to know to help you stand out in a candidate's market. It's going to be really helpful, so I hope to see you all there. You can register for that session on the FEI Engage website. And now it's my pleasure to introduce Steve. Hi, Steve, thanks for being here.
1: Hey, Olivia. Nicely, nicely, um, nice to see you again, and um, thank you for, um, again for um, for um, uh, inviting me to this presentation. I really appreciate that.
0: We're thrilled that you were able to do it. And we'd love for you to, I just mentioned that, you know, you've been at J&J for quite some time, but if you could share with us kind of your journey since college and some of the different roles that you held, um, and then, what you know, what your experience has been at J&J, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Look, you know, I got to tell you, you know, Olivia, it's been quite, quite a journey. You know, I know I share with you. uh, We have like a career map here. We do here, Johnson and Johnson, but um, and folks on the call party know what I'm talking about from J and J. But yeah, look, you know, I look. I chose accounting. As a as a career for me, because it was a way to kind of um, help people. You know, believe it or not, Olivia, I wanted to become a pediatrician at one point, uh, become a doctor. Um, but you know what? There was another way another way to serve people and really help people. Um, so I took the um, my my first step out of college was in public accounting. I started with a firm called Coopers and Library and now became Price Waterhouse Coopers. And I got to tell you, my my days in public accounting, I I, I always valued, you know, working. For the public accounting firm because it really kind of gave me that ability to really you know work with people face to face and how to how to interact and I think that is um, really important in my, in our profession because we meet people in a, at a professional level but also dialogue with people because people are always looking for help and, and and if you have knowledge this is a way to really help them and really help them be better at what they do in, in their in their job, um, but I left public accounting again you know you know you in those days and I think it's still Difficult uh, in the profession. Um, people work in long hours. You know, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it, the accounting profession people are working hard, and it hasn't changed. And and for me, I left public accounting for that same reason, and to get balance. And um, I I went to um, work at a small utility company at that time. It was um, Jersey Central Power and Light. Um, and, and and this is the, and this is the beauty of public accounting. Someone actually, you know. Um, met me on, on one of the audits and called me for a job and this is how i got my job at 18t because 18t was one of my clients when i worked for cooper's and my brand and again this is where you know people this is where it's so great about that, that environment of having that network someone just kind of found me and they loved my style at that meetings. they said this guy has a lot of energy, and sure enough, she um, she pulled me in into AT and T to kind of run, you know, the external reporting and and and, um, and consolidations for for the corporation at that time. Um, I, and I, I gotta say, loved work at AT T, but this is it's so funny. I'm going through a spin now, with, even with J and J. At that time, ATT T was like a huge company, and all of a sudden, here I am. Lucent was being spun out of AT&T. Like after three years, I was with the company. I said, "Oh my God!" And here I felt this feeling of, oh, "What am I going to do?" I didn't want to leave AT&T, and you know what? But it was a great journey going to Lucent at that time, and um, and it was great. you know, starting a new company, brand new, with all new folks. And um, even though we had a lot of AT&T people coming over, it was great to start all over and um, start something new. And and I got the first few years of Lucent was fantastic, um, and then. But again, you know, things happen, these inflection points. And you know, we'll talk about that, you know, Olivia, is that here's a situation of why you left Lucent and then they got into life sciences. And and again it was it, it was because of um, you know, a person basically not giving me the ability to move on to the next level of my career and it forced me to kind of find something else. And this is the beauty of accounting. When you have that kind of knowledge on accounting and skills, it gave me the ability to actually move from telecom to a life science industry. And you know what? I'm twenty years in, in life sciences and you know what, Olivia, I never look back. Um, it's been a great Ride to be in life sciences and someone took a chance on me because of my knowledge and um, and I really um I really um I tell you I value that that ability for my public accounting and working for a big company like 18ATT that was able to really um, like move me over to a totally different um, industry um, and again you know the journey has been interesting I've been you know with Aventus after that um, and then of course Aventus got taken over by another company and again I feel like a millennial a little bit with you um, because here at I'm jumping to other companies, not by choice, but you know, things happen in your career. And I went from, you know, 18 t Lucent, and then Lucent spun out, and, and more IPOs, and I moved to Aventus, and Aventus got taken over by Sanofi. And Sanofi, I said I didn't want to go to Paris, and so I said, look, you know, I want to stay back here in the U.S., and sure enough, I got a, a, a job, um, and someone reached out to me at one of these meetings I was at, and I got a call from Johnson & Johnson. And literally, again, another network call. Someone just cruised out, and I got really lucky, and I went on the interview, and pretty much just hired it on the spot, and I never We'll look back again. I'm here 17 years at Johnson and Johnson, and um, it's been a great it's been yeah, a great kind of journey for me. Um, and we but I got to tell you, not an easy ride. Um, it's like hold on tight. You know, there's been some bumps along the way, and we can talk about that because I think some folks on this call will say the same thing. It's never it's never smooth. It's not linear, and it, and you do have kind of bumps along the way on um, on your career.
0: I I want to say before we keep going, I want to encourage everyone to submit their questions for Steve because I'll read them aloud and he, um, you can use the Q&A feature on your screen. Uh, Steve, you mentioned long hours in public accounting and, and seeking balance and earlier you reminded me that you have four kids, three of which are triplets. Um, I see their pictures behind you. Tell me about how you balanced career with a young family when you were making all of these moves in your career? Like, how did you think about that at the time? And how do you think about it looking back now?
1: You know, I I tell you, yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I regret my oldest a little bit because I did not spend the time I could have, um, uh, as much as I did with the triplets i i think you know i was look we made decisions i mean you know um my wife was working in the city goldman sachs and she was driving my son to staten island dropping him, him off, and then she was taking a bus to Manhattan from Staten Island. And at that time, I was doing audits, and I was in the city. And then I was also traveling to clients. It was real. It was really crazy for those first first couple of years, you know, when we had our first child. And I, I, look, it was it. What there was no balance. I mean, I mean, I was long hours traveling. Um, and then you know, my wife had my wife picked up a big part, big part of the burden. You know, driving back and forth. I never forget. You know, which you know, driving on the Staten Island with snowstorms with my son. To drop him off at about six o'clock in the morning, so that she can take the bus to Goldman Sachs, you know, in downtown Manhattan. And like, I, like it was just, it was just the first couple of years was just been rough. And um, I mean, the, the good news is my my laws loved watching my son. You know, it was great th- to do that. And and the good news is that they would come, they would drop you know care packages with my wife on the way home from Staten Island back to because we lived in Jersey at that time, and she would um, she would make food for us. Um, so it was really it was it was nice to have you know the backup of my in-laws for my oldest but I gotta tell you once I had the triplets, there was no way my wife could go back to work. And and I had no choice but to help her. I mean, and we were by ourselves in New Jersey. But we didn't have family close by, so it was really tough. I mean, literally, a true story, I went out and bought these kind of gerbil feeders so that I can actually attach them to the um, the crib so I can, I can feed one baby and have two go on at the same time. Because literally, because my, we, we were like... We were going. It was crazy. We had bottles everywhere. Uh, I couldn't have enough hands to feed three babies at the same time. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I have, I have vivid memories of those first few years and um, and and making sure that no one fell out of the. Um, you know, I fell out of the crib or fell out of the what um, they really call the bouncy seat, and so I had them all attached to the um to to the bouncy seat. But look, we survived it. We got through it. I'm still here to talk about it. I'm still you know all together. You know, the family's still intact. No one, no, no one, you know, no one. just but but again, I'm not. It, it was it was choices, and I and I would tell it to all of us is that you, you got to make a choice somewhere. You know, someone is going to work, stay home, and someone's going to work, and that was kind of our choice for us. Um, and 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 that was the choice that we made so that we can have a family that that was still intact.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate you sharing that with us about you know how you kind of feel about. Your oldest son. I appreciate the honesty uh, about the lack of balance at that time. And uh, that's pretty funny about the gerbil theaters. (laughs) That's. uh... Three babies at once, that will give you some PTSD for sure. For sure. Um, <laughs> something people might not know about you is that uh, you're a cancer survivor and uh, I want to know how that changed. Like, t- Tell us about when kind of in the timeline that happened for you and it, d- did that change your approach to, to work, to family, like in what ways did that kind of change your your experience?
1: um I think that's a tough one um I gotta take a moment because it's it's at the right time I just got diagnosed at this time at, at this time um and if, it was like the end of February when the doctor told me that I had pancreatic cancer and um it's scary I'm not gonna lie um it did change my perspective of life. Um because when they tell you you have six months to live, how do you deliver that message to your family that you're not you're not gonna be here? And here I am, I took care of myself, Olivia. I never abused myself, and I'm not a drinker, I never smoked. And here I am inflicted with probably the worst cancer and didn't know what to say or do. And you know, um, I, I, I look I, I, I work for a great company and they got me to the right place and the right doctors um which gave me a, a, a good, good survivor you know survival ability because you know you go to the wrong doctors or the wrong hospital you might not survive but it is. An emotional roller coaster for folks when they have that kind of change in their life, when they're giving a death sentence, and you don't know what to do. You have young kids, four kids, triplets, you know, and here I am, kind of, a, kind of prime of my life. And um, so I would tell you, it did change me because, um, you know, because I survived it, and and I think what it left me is a question, like, why am I here? What was my purpose? That so many people had what I had, they did not survive. And there was a good neighbor behind me who had cancer, and he also he passed away and left a young son. And I, I said to my wife, like, oh, my God, like, I, I don't know the pain that they go through. And, I, you know, the, he still lives in our neighborhood, and I see the, the mom, and I see him, and he has no dad. And I just, that could have been me, you know. So so, so fast forward that, as I think about my career, you know, I, I really made a decision, you know, at some point, like, when is it time to 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 basically you know change you know change what i'm doing and i was at a point here where i didn't feel like i was going anywhere and i think a lot of us on this call would say the same thing that many times that we don't feel valued and we don't feel that people really understand the value we bring and and i felt the cancer what it did for me Is it gave me courage to speak up and to really say, you know, is this what 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 am I going to do from now till I retire? Is this something that I want to do? Is what's going to make Steve Rivera happy for the next, you know, 10, 12 years of runway that I had in my career, and what could I contribute and and be and really help some folks? And 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 that's kind of what that's what it did for me because I didn't know I didn't know in the beginning why I lived. And, and I think the answer for me was Steve, You had more to do and more to, to contribute to to help other people. and I've been doing that tenfold now and trying to help people as much as I can from now until, until I'm'm to, to a different you know place in my career but but it it is it is for me it was courage because I, I think it, it woke me up because had this not happened, I probably would have never done anything different. I probably would have been not pushed myself to think about other choices and and i think that's kind of changed me to kind of get me and and move this role what i'm doing now because of the the dialogue of speaking up and and really expressing the value that i do bring for for anybody and i'm also willing to you know risk it right because i was saying look you know what if this is not working out for me i'm willing to do something else and i think my family was also supportive of that because you know what after going through that and having that cancer and beating it, you know what? Now it's time to really make sure that what you want to do is really important and do and contribute in a very different way. But it is um, emotional for me. um, Especially this time of year, because this is when I got diagnosed um, and I can't believe it. Like people say, Steve, we don't know how you survived it. Really. Most people we know don't. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a very serious cancer. Um, I think we all know that. So it's just, it's truly miraculous and a lot of comments from just so you know a lot of comments in the Q&A sharing that they feel you're an inspiration and that you're fearless and humble and I know we all feel that way so thank you for sharing that with us because I know that's tough to to talk about and we you know relive a little bit um I want to shift gears a little bit. You talked about jumping from company to company, lots of takeovers. You said you feel like a little bit of a millennial. Um, What's your advice to those who are listening for navigating those transitions successfully?
1: That's a great question. You know, I would say. When you navigate to different um, roles, is try to um, well. I I, I really, I, I would say be yourself as much as possible um i think i think one of the things i I, again for myself is i always try to be an authentic person um i haven't really changed the people who know me and follow me all these years if i if i migrate from one role to another i always help well i always i always would be the person i want to be regardless of where i am i think that when folks try to be somebody else when they migrate and transition sometimes that kind of that could backfire so i would say transitioning from one role to another, from one company to another, try to go in with being your authentic self as much as possible. I think that many of us, sometimes we do this even from work to home. And I would say, live in your skin is what I would say. Live in you know, live in what, you, what you, who you are, um, and not to try to have a different facade when you go on to different, um, I would say different venues. No different when you go from one job to another. And I, and I think that's, that's how I think you kind of run afoul, in my mind, um, in a career, because then people don't feel that you'd being honest or authentic. And they see through that.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that's great advice. Authenticity, I know, is very important to you. Um, and I, we're, we are going to talk about that um, in a little bit. Uh, I have a couple questions for you in that kind of realm. But I want to talk about uh, J&J, a question from the audience. Can you talk about your experience overseeing accounting policy during a period of vaccine development? What were and are the complexities and differences from prior J&J developments, and how did you address them?
1: Um, for me, for, I, I guess I'm not sure if it was on counting or is it more about just dealing with people between. Well, <clears throat>
0: so she, she or he is asking about, uh, they are asking about your experience overseeing accounting policy during those times.
1: I would say the thing that, that I, that I think I was, I guess, more challenged by is connecting with the folks you know, around Johnson & Johnson. I think for me, um, people know my style. I like to see people face to face. I kind of lead with, um, I would say, interaction. I, I like, I like to meet people, and I like to have that face-to-face contact. I think during COVID, it was difficult for me because I kind of lead by being in person. So it was really hard for me to kind of have that influence. But it worked well with folks who knew me, but new people, maybe not so much. You know, and how do you build that trust? relationship when you're in a virtual environment with covid and not having the ability to have the face to face contact so so i would say I think I think where we had trusting relationships and where I have built relationships with folks around the business and even my own team I think it worked really well but where there's new people it, it, it's 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 gonna be difficult and I think you have to kind of spend the time to meet people face to face and then build that trust and then then, then things evolve but but it, it was it was tough in the beginning for me because I kind of lead in in way my leadership style is being in person and I like and I like having the hallway conversations. I like you know, you could see I have the candy jar. In my office, and people know about that. Or I even I bake for my staff for birthday parties, mm-hmm. and, they, and I'm a good cook. So, um, and again, you know, I'll make my model maybe once and for all here. You know, I keep all the cooking in the kitchen, not on the books. So that's kind of the, the classic line that we have here. i our policy folks. So, so again, but th- but this is the kind of this is the kind of connection we have. And it's all because of the physical connection we had prior to COVID, and it was difficult for people like myself who leave with having that physical connection.
0: Did was it, did it pose a challenge I guess is, is is the question that I Have like during that time uh, When the vaccine was being Developed and then being kind of Distributed like did you, the nature Of your job change in a big way Or was it kind of no
1: Not, not really I mean I, I would say I wasn't involved in the development of the, code, the, the, um, the Vaccine as much as The accounting for it so But what I would say is that You know I I think the, the, I I, I would say, what I would say is, you know, I I kind of welcomed the the vaccine being, you know, I guess, issued because it was given the ability for people to feel comfortable to come back. You know what I'm saying? So there was some there was a bright light. Had had no vaccine been ever developed by anybody, we would still be talking this way all the time because people would be really worried. So I, I you know so I think there was a positive to it. I also think the positive side of all of this is that most companies now have moved to a hybrid model, allowing people to come. To work a few days a week and and um, and have the ability to work from home, I don't believe that would ever happen had we had not COVID. In my in my personal view.
0: You joined J and J. You said seventeen years ago, and you shared with me that at one point you decided to stay when you were passed over for a promotion. So, tell me about what went into that decision to stay, because I'm sure a lot of people on the call have experienced something similar. <laughs>
1: No, great great question. You know, for me it was it was more of um Really, really stepping back and finding out what is really important. You know, is it just a job? And and, and I think what I liked about Johnson and Johnson is like it's like a marriage of what the company represents. For me, you know, the values. You know, the things that I enjoy in my job is kind of what the company does as well. So even though I might not have, you know, the local support that I was looking for or the help to get there, you know, at that time. I kind of looked behind that and I said to myself, you know what, this is a really solid company. What I'm doing for the company and the value I bring as far as you know, my thoughts, and trying to make sure the company does, is always in the, in the right place, I felt there was always that good connection. Um, other companies in the past I worked at, you know, my role wasn't really appreciated. As a matter of fact, they preferred not to listen to the accountants. Um, and again, this is prior to Socks and folks who know, you know, Sarbanes-Oxley. Back in the, in the 90s, it was, it was really kind of like a, um, it was almost like a very, very, um, very different in that environment. But when Sarbanes came in, there was more respect for the for this role in most companies and realize the importance that this advice that folks did, that I provided, and, and for this role in most companies, really became really important. So um, so I, I would say the answer all this is, it's really, look at the company you're working for, what's kind of i would say as one it's like the house what are the bones of the company right and the bones of this company were really just solid and it kind of kept me there even though at some point i did feel for me you know what point did i want to jump and i think that's why i said earlier you know with having the cancer it kind of gave me some pause to really address that head on to say do i want to leave at this point i was at an inflection point of you know saying you know, I, I know what the value I can bring to somebody else on a promotion, and am I willing to risk that at this point, or am I willing to stay?
0: I have a question from the audience that I want to share, and usually I I keep the questions anonymous, but I think in this case it's appropriate. Um, this person wrote, "This is Emilio Rivera from J and J, longtime friend and peer of Steve. Steve is an amazing role model for our Latino finance community. Would like him to talk about challenges and advantages of being a diverse leader in big in the biggest healthcare company and how he drives diversity and inclusion." This is a great segue for something that we you and I are really excited to talk about. <coughs>
1: You know, Amelia, I, I, great to hear from you, my friend. And um, hey, look, you know how I feel about this. This is a, this is an area that is still, you know, I would say evolving. You know, I, I, I think that part of it is, um, I think sometimes we, I would say. It's uh, my personal view, I think it's how folks view you and I think it's style. I think that the ability in our community and my talk about my Hispanic community, we, we get passionate about things. You you can hear me how I talk. I talk with my hands and I you know I you know, I, I get emotional about things and maybe this is not the style that folks would maybe consider for someone from a high high level professional person in finance. But you know what? This is being who you are. And and I think people appreciate that and appreciate the style that you deliver because the message is still the same. And again, well, in my career I would say the same thing, but then someone repeated and it became their message. And that happened many times to me. Why? Because I didn't know maybe I shouldn't say it the right way. Or maybe the way I, the way I presented it was not the same way that someone else would. I, I don't know what it was, but but I do believe that, and Amelia knows how I feel about this. Is that I think there's a there's a style, there's a culture, that we, that we all have from from all the ethnicity, from all the folks you know on this call, and and the question is. You know, but 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 you all should be heard, right? We all should be heard. And and, and I, and I talked to some of my, 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 my Hispanic counterparts who have accents and they say, Steve, sometimes I have I have a, I have a heavy you know uh, Hispanic accent and sometimes people I he goes I get nervous speaking because I feel that they're not listening to me, Steve. Or they feel like I'm ignorant because of my accent. And I and I find that troubling to hear that. I and mean, this is mean, and again Person just as intelligent as anybody else, just because he doesn't speak English a hundred percent, doesn't mean he's not going to be heard. So, so this is what Amelia was talking about, and, and I hear this a lot. Again, people want to talk about that, but you know what? We have to get moved. We have to get past that, and um, and it is it is these are tough conversations that I have. Um, the other thing I, I, I trouble with, look, I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm going to talk my public accounting days. I, look, I'm guilty of this. Olivia, is, is that I didn't designate myself as being Hispanic. I was the only one in the room. You know, I didn't want to tell anybody. And I know a few people who have come up to me who, you know, who are Hispanic and don't say anything because they, they, they want to fly behind the radar. And I do believe that, you know. People know, you know. At some point, they see my, they see my last name Rivera. I mean, h- how Hispanic could that be? Um, and so, again, when you when you sign up for a job, they see your last name. I mean, you can't hide that. So, it, again, it's a different way of I would say um, of what goes on. And again, this is back in the 80s, and how it, it kind of has it, it's evolved, but not not 100 percent. You know, we still we still have challenges. And how do we how do we kind of making sure that folks feel respected and valued and they're heard? That's most important. The so, irony. I hope the question, my friend. But you know, Amelia is a good guy, and uh, I appreciate the question. Thank you so much for all that.
0: I was going to say the irony is that the person who speaks with an accent is potentially smarter than anyone in the room because they speak several languages.
1: Without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. But again, you know, this is we, we got people have to be open to that. They have to be of open, course. and they take the time to listen.
0: Something that you shared with me, I know you're big on this too. You, you remember things that people, people say, and, and you kind of record it. And something that you said to me is you don't want people to assimilate. You want them to modulate. Right. And I love that. That's something that you kind of took to heart. Right. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, tell me about that philosophy.
1: Yeah, you know that's a great. That's another great point. And um, you know, I I, I I just picked this up recently in one of our one of our meetings, our diverse meetings, and 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 what we heard is, and again, especially when I when I was when I when I got you know promoted to, to the VP, I, you know, VP role here at J and J. One of the things, again, you know, the things that I learned in that in that in that in that, in that journey was. You know steve you scare people because you have a lot of energy you get people nervous when you speak um your passion your energy your your, your, you know that that comes through and people are taken back by that and i was shocked to hear that um you know and i don't know what that means i mean i didn't know there was a there was like a checklist of what finance people should how people should sound Right, so so that's where they said, you know, Steve, what you need to learn, and, and is we don't want, we, we shouldn't assimilate, and, and that means that means that's changing who you are, and what I heard was how to modulate, and modulate means, you know, learning that audience, who are you speaking to, and again, if you know that person's gonna get nervous because you you have to just take it down for that person till they get to know who you are and then get comfortable. And again, and that was a good way to kind of understand the difference between assimilation, which I believe a lot of people have done. And this, is what I said earlier, you know, not designating themselves, you know, flying below the radar, not saying who they really are because they worry they wanted to assimilate. Because they feel that if they knew who they really are, then they would be, ooh, ooh, oh I didn't know he was like that. Ooh, I didn't know that. You know, where if you modulate you know, that trueness for who you are comes through. And I look, I, I can't look, I can't change who I am. I like to listen to people. I I I have empathy for people. I want to give back to people. You know, are these traits that should hurt me in my career? Is that something that should hold me back because I'm kind to people? I mean, that's how I was raised. You know, that's kind of how I was you know, raised in my family to be that way. And you know, even at this level, like I haven't changed those those beliefs beliefs about doing the right thing for people. Um, and maybe, unfortunately, people feel that that's how they need to get ahead. I, I can't do that. I, it's not in my DNA to do that.
0: Very interesting, I just read a comment from the audience. Uh, someone wrote, I have gotten that same message and my managers make me dial back my intensity and passion. Thank you for bringing this up. So it's it's an interesting thing i wonder if this is something do you think do you see this as something kind of unique to accounting and finance or do you think that this is something that people are experiencing just <clears throat> across the board i i,
1: I, I it's a great question i i i think it i think it, it i think i think it's based on the culture of the folks that we that we deal with i think that based on the culture of certain ethnicities from different groups. I think you're going to have different, I would say, different, I would say, you know, modulations, you know, you're going to have some folks who are very quiet, very timid, but yet they, they want to be, they need to be heard as well, right? You have others who are very, who are very energetic and have lots of passion and really want to just express, be very expressive, you know, but you as a leader should be able to take it all in. You know, that's what that's what leadership is all about. You want teams to have that different diversity. You know, I, I tell this to folks many times, I use the Russell Stover's candy box. I say, look, it's like Russell Stover's. you buy the Russell Stover's candy box, you don't know what, what you're gonna bite into, but they all taste good. And so that's kind of my, 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 my view, even with workforce, it's like, it's okay. That, that's the reason why the beauty of having diversity on the workforce and having that, you should be able as a leader to be, it shouldn't be like, oh, you talking. You're, you're, you're making me feel uncomfortable because you have a lot of energy. Well, people shouldn't feel that way. You want to hear that message and you want the person to say the way they have to say it and how they're going to express it. And that's all part of the messaging. So I'm know, i a, I'm a comment from the audience. I, I think people people are nervous about that because that is that that that's the perception that people take away. Like oh, oh she's too much she's too much me I, I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I, I I I get troubled when I hear that.
0: I understand. You have shared your experience of being the only Hispanic in the room and feeling other. <clears throat> you and I talked about what you feel is missing at the FASB and the SEC. Tell us tell us about that. Uh, we don't want to be negative. obviously we're not trying to be super critical, but <clears throat> you know you've noticed, let's say, <laughs> some things mm-hmm. that you wanted to share.
1: Well, you, you know, Olivia, what I would say, you know, look, I, I think the, the, the board, as you see I think look, they have done a great job in bringing I, I would say, great experience, and I, and I hear that a lot, lots of diverse experience, folks with different backgrounds, fantastic. But I'll read something from one student that wrote to me on one of my recruits, and I thought this was really interesting. They said to me, Steve, I hear that all the time from the board, now, we hear this on these conferences that we've hired diverse, experienced staff. But he goes, but he goes Steve, and he goes, I see first before I hear. I looked at him and I said, "What do you?" And it and it really, it really kind of resonated with me a bit. What he meant by that and what he meant is is that we see gender diversity on the board. Got it. But I don't see anybody else other than that. No one looks like me, Steve, on that board. No one looks at me like that at the SEC. Why would I want to go in this profession? I thought that was really telling. And again, I worry about this, and that's one of my things I wanna give back is how do we build that pipeline of diverse talent to come in, particularly in, in, in niche areas like this? I, I don't know about you, but I've been 40 years in accounting. I don't believe there's anybody of color that I'm aware of sitting on the FASB that I'm aware of. I don't know of anybody in the SEC of color. So, you know, and it's really interesting, you know, and again, and, and again I, I wanna be honest, I don't think we should have diversity for the sake of diversity. I think you need to have people with the skills and talent. But but it, but again, you know, I, I see first before I hear. So that's a great line, right? I love I lo, so that what he's saying to me, Steve. I hear about the experiences. Got it. But I want to see someone on there that looks like me that I feel that I can, that, that that I can relate to and represent this profession if I want to pursue this profession. So I I, I think that was kind of hit hit home for me um, Mm -hmm. when I think about talent in the pipeline. And I also think about, you know, we set rules, like, well, the only way you can get into this board or where we get into this is that you need to be the chief accountant. Well, that's gonna make it really tough if we limit the population of pipeline, because I see what's out there today really not enough out there that you can have a pipeline. So mm-hmm. so I don't know, maybe in my lifetime I'll see someone in there, maybe another 10 years from now, if, until someone's get to that point of having that experience. Because in order to get to these levels, it's leadership roles, you need to have, like people like myself, 40 years of experience to really be able to go into these kind of roles. And Set standards, give you know standards from the, from the S all of it you know PCLB all of this and given that kind of guidance because it takes a lot of time to build that knowledge. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't come out of school. It's really life experiences that you bring, and I think that takes time. And again, finding a diverse person that can bring that in is tough. And I, and they, we're seeing this challenge everywhere. Even not even for for, for the SEC or the FASB, but even board of directors out there looking for a diverse talent because they they realized that they need to kind of also represent others in the community other than you know what they see today so I, I'll if I say they see first before they hear and I thought that was great so so the only thing we've seen so far is gender um, right. as far as we've gotten I don't know I'll, I'll, Olivia you tell me have you seen any anything different in your years in the
0: county <clears throat> no no
1: no, it's a and great even, point, and even the uh, give me your sticks on on, on gender diversity, um, which your which your stats on gender. I think it's um what four females so far on the, on the FASB since.
0: <clears throat> I would have to check. Yeah, and that that's great progress, but uh, diversity means a lot more than that, obviously. Yeah. Um, a question or a, a comment and question from the audience, Jose Mesia. I hope I'm saying that right, wrote, he said, I'm a big fan of Steve and he has been a role model for me since I was working in the cafeteria in J&J, New Brunswick during my college years. I actually know about you, Jose. And now I'm a finance professional. My question to him is, how will AI change our industry, accounting and finance and job opportunities in the future? It's a great question.
1: You know, Jose, hey, look, look. Let me tell you something. Let me a little, go a little sidebar on this one with Jose. Jose, I met Jose in J and J. You know, really working the cafeteria here at Johnson and Johnson. And he's a he's a guy who came by, met me. He saw my name on the wall, Steve Rivera, and he said, "Hey, you know, Steve, how do I how do I get a job like this?" And sure enough, here he is. Went back to school, got his MBA in finance, is doing fantastic. And you know. And really, you know, taking care of his family, just had a baby, and how co- I'm so proud to hear stories like this that you can, it, can, it can happen um, with someone like Jose, bilingual, and um, and also now a finance professional, and doing fantastic. So, um, so, so this is what this is why I say the diversity is one person at a time is going out there and mentoring someone like Jose, who I reached out um, and just met, you know, through my you know me walking through the cafeteria meeting somebody and helping this person out and jose has been great and um doing a great job Um, but what i would tell jose is i would say ai will change a lot of what we do in accounting um, particularly when it comes to um, i would say the routine type work one area that i believe that's really ripe for ai is financial planning and forecasting i believe that the computers are much powerful than we are. And I believe that you know AI, I believe you could have software that can do for, for forecasting and budgeting with no emotion and pretty much get it right. Um, until, based on all the variables that go around the world with, with the economy and other things that are going on um, that, related to that company's um, business, they really come up with a, a real robust forecasting. So what I would say is, I think there's certain roles in accounting that are very much AI, But I think roles like this that we do, technical accounting, you know, um, where we have to advise people on, you know, how to think about things and how to. This is where I still think you still need that human element to really. I would say patch in a lot of different concepts in order to come up with a solution to some of the complex things that we work on. So, so Jose, you know how I feel about this. I think go back for the CPA exam, get the license. I'm a big believer that having a designation in the profession is really important. I believe that having Designations and what we do really puts you a step above on um, what we do, and particularly if you're a diverse candidate, that even counts even more because many of us are not going for that designation. And I know the CPA exam is hard, but even the CGMA is also another good exam that's out there that's that's an equivalent of someone um, who's also strong in technical accounting and management accounting.
0: That's great that's advice. Good. I have another question from the audience. I'm so happy for the audience participation, by the way, So keep the questions coming. I am a partner with one of the big firms. I just love Steve. He's a great mentor and friend, and I am so proud of all the success. One question for Steve, do you still modulate, or has that changed given where you are now? I think that's, that's such a great question.
1: It's a great question. Um, i've I have modulated a lot. I have to. Um, at this level, I, I try to modulate. Um, and especially in, um, in, in in I would say in, in, in one-to-one settings but I got to tell you when I'm a, when I'm on calls like this uh, however my big four person out there is um, and thank you for your comment um, I, I look I'm, I'm' I'm speaking Steve Rivera language you know I'm who I, the way I'm talking to you is how I would talk to um, anyone else if I met you outside of work um, but again in certain settings I have to modulate because I do I do believe there's certain I would say that certain folks that get nervous when that modulation and i have to be i have to be i have to be conscious of that and so i have to respect those boundaries but 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 it is what it is it's not going to change so i can't change them but i can change myself but i still but again the end state is you want to get to the goal line and hopefully the message is heard and that's the most important thing
0: so i'm curious if i could be a little nosy in what ways do you think you modulate what does that look like
1: you know i i you know i i i talk slower mm. you know um you know I'm, maybe i maybe don't smile as much <laughs> you know um you know i just talk more i more monotone i i kind of become very much robotic maybe i kind of you know just very fact-based you know you know, no, no side conversations, just really straight to the point and very, you know, very direct kind of, um, as opposed to having more of a, you know, what's going on, you know, how, what's going on in your family. You know, like more of the, I would say, what, when they, outside of that modulation, it's more personal. And it's. It, and then we get to what's going on, you know, where certain people don't, they don't want to hear and just, they, they just don't, they don't want to hear that, is what I would say. Does that,
0: does That's that so sense? interesting. Yeah. And again, and I'm to trying to think way. while you're saying it, I'm trying to think what ways I modulate because I think we all do a degree of that, or maybe we all should do a degree of it. Um, and I'd have to think more about well, you, the ways I, that I, I do that.
1: Well, let, let me put it back to you. Maybe like when you talk to your mom, do you talk to your mom different than maybe your sister? For sure. Right. So, mm-hmm. right you know, to me, that's the way to think about it. So, same thing with certain people you work with. You know, you know, you, you know who they are, their personality, and you kind of, kind of, kind of get a sense of what kind of like they, they're getting nervous when you talk too fast, or or you you, you know they don't want to hear about your, your personal stuff. They just want they want they just want to hear what you have to say and then move on.
0: So, a lot of it is being perceptive, yes, and picking up on the little cues that people are sending you. Uh, so that that's a big part of it I think. Uh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And mm. and that's why I think it's really important to um you know, to understand that because that's why we said earlier why during the COVID time it was really difficult for me because I like picking up cues much easier live than on, on than on, on T V. <laughs> you know, even though we have a great technology, it's not the same.
0: Another comment and question from the audience. I want to give a shout out to FEI for doing this. Thank you. Steve is a thought partner. He has helped me think through how to navigate my career. One question on the diversity front. What is the one thing that we can all do more of? And that's a big question. You can think about it a little bit.
1: Like in more of in, in order to promote diversity, you think, is that what do you think he's asking?
0: I'm thinking maybe for on both ends. So from a leader perspective, and then from somebody maybe earlier on in their career, and and ways that we can all together kind of move the needle.
1: Well, I, I well, one thing I said, Olivia, is on the CFI conference. When this if this comes up, I would hope maybe my closing remarks is that every person at that conference mentor one person. A diverse person in your in your organization. So if there's like if there's a thousand people at that conference, if I can get a thousand people to mentor one person, um, that'll be great. That will be that will be one way as a leader and being the chair of the committee um for this year it is a way to do that and have people think about that because i do that for other people within j and j even people outside of johnson like like jose you know out there to kind of do that and help people along the way so they can feel there's a way for them there's a path forward um i also think you know for 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 young folks who are coming in i think this is a really honorable profession i think that there there is a way that you can really really grow and add value, and also feel good about what you do in this profession. Um, and because I, I do believe in the next five, 10 years, I, hopefully there is more representation and that people can feel more comfortable where these where these leadership roles will land in the future. So I, I have hope and I'm, I'm optimistic that um, so that young folks in early in the career, I get it. I see first before I hear, I love that comment from one student. Um, I'm hoping that that representation will be out there, and 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 hopefully that folks who are starting accounting and finance as a career that they would they will be represented, and they feel like they can go to and find folks that will mentor them. But I can't but tell you, look, give back. No matter what level you are, no matter where you are try to help somebody. I, I would say that all the time because we don't do enough of that. I think we get tied up with our personal lives. I think we tied up with our work, but finding that time, one or two people that you can really help, especially if you're in a leadership role. Um, I think you have a, you know, I almost feel you have a responsibility to do more of it.
0: On the topic of mentorship, obviously organic relationships uh, like the one that you formed with Jose uh, is a beautiful thing. If you're, looking for a mentor from outside of your organization, uh, to the engaged subscribers who are listening, be sure to check out the mentor match program, uh, because, and you can find that on the FEI engage homepage, but that's something that we've designed to pair you with an FEI member, uh, who is outside of your organization, perhaps, um, you can filter by geography areas of interest, all different uh, filters uh, and form a a relationship that could last years and could be really impactful for your career. Because I know finding a mentor within your company is sometimes easier than finding uh, somebody outside and giving you a different perspective.
1: Yeah, and, and look, I'm glad you put that, I'm glad you said that because I think FEI, I, I mentioned you mentioned this earlier in the call, FEI has been wonderful to really participate, join, and be involved with projects that really impact the entire industries that we participate in, but even the, the whole accounting community that we do today and, and having a voice. And I, I gotta tell you, you know i think that it's been wonderful to, to be part of fbi for the last 12 years and, and and the things that they're doing to build the profession um, mentoring is one of them but even influencing change for for the companies on this call to really come up with more pragmatic solutions of how to deal with things that are so complex and sometimes we lose our way um, with the accounting we get we we we, we, we don't realize that it takes time and effort to kind of to do things, and and hopefully folks like us who are preparers and work for big companies or small companies, you know, what does it take to do all this? You know, it might look good on the books, but when you actually try to execute on it, oh my God, it's going to cost us lots of money to do this. It sounds nice, but do, is that who's looking for this? So I think FEI has been a great voice for lots of companies, including us, to really participate. Share the best practices, benchmarking, but more importantly, I got to tell you the, the the network of people like yourself, Olivia, and others who I met along the way, who really who've taken and embraced and realized, you know, we got to we got to make more change in the future and how do we create a more inclusive environment so people feel like their voice is heard but also they're included you know to 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 gather with us right you know it's like going to the party and you're sitting on the sidelines you, you want to be able to dance on the dance floor with everybody else and not just you know feel like a sideline person so hopefully You know, FEI has done that, I believe, you know, someone like me, because I feel like I have a voice when I go to these meetings and people listen, and um, it's important to have that, that community.
0: And when, I'm so glad that you brought that up, because I do want to talk about your relationship to FEI. Early on, when I was introducing you, I I went through some of your involvement with the CCR uh, committee, and you had mentioned on an earlier, you know, in an earlier conversation that joining an organization or being, you know, connected with FEI has it helped you improve, um, in your career, in your in your role. Um, tell me more about that. Like it, how has FEI, how has an involvement with FEI or maybe another organization, even another association, how has it challenged you or helped you progress in, in your career?
1: Well, I, 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 well, I think, I, think I, I owe a lot of FEI and the visibility that I think it gave me that I didn't have maybe internally. I don't think people realize the value, the contributions like revenue recognition, lease accounting, um, you know, other things in accounting that was significant and having a voice and sitting at the table and really having this, being part of that decision-making process of what we have today. Um, I mean, people, we had a lot of respect for what I had to say and they kind of, um, they listened and, and, and became a valuable, you know, participant in a lot of these discussions and, and this is, I built that network of folks. So, so, you know, when, when, when there was a change in guard, at least in, in my, my organization no i don't think people realize that all that work i've been doing outside of my J and J job was like it was. There was no connection. I don't think. And, and again, this is me, my own fault. But it was never, never shared with leadership. Never shared with people who said, "Oh my God, I didn't know Steve was working on that. I didn't know Steve was doing that. I don't know Steve was part, leading. You know, the pharma committee, work on the device committee. You know, participating in the consumer, like all this external stuff Steve's been doing. No one ever talked about. So I. I so you know, again, this is me. I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to bring that up. It wasn't my nature. I, that's not me. Um, I was hoping that someone would say that, and someone did. And that's how that's how it happened for me. And I think that, that that value proposition, someone like, ooh, if Steve leaves Jane Jay, like, ooh, who's going to do this? Like, I, I don't even know how to start this. And well, these relationships we have that I've created are real – Organic, but the, also they're honest. You know, these aren't, aren't these aren't relationships that just like we just have because I, because nice to have and we only you, only you only talk to me when you need something. No, these are real good relationships, strong relationships because there's there's a feeling of being being part of it together, kind of. And, and, you know what I'm saying? Because because I get, you'll see folks on the call will say, Steve, you know, I have a certain relationships with certain people. but They only call me when they need something. No, no, no. these are great relationships and um and at, at very high levels. Most companies, chief accountants, and uh, and CFOs, who i met along the way, and and they know me personally, and that only happens when you spend the time to really reach out and make a difference, and I think that was the value that they were missing, and that kind of elevated me to understand why this role became so important for me here, at least, at J.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And there are so many other organizations as well out there that uh, do a great job of helping people network and help people advance their careers. Um, NABA, of course, being one of them. And uh, we're proud to be partnered with them the last question i have for you, Steve, because we are running out of time which i knew would happen faster than <laughs> we wanted but um yep. how did you develop your leadership style so i think everybody could tell just from being on this call kind of what what sort of boss you would be and and the type of leader that you are but how did you really kind of refine that i always wonder that as somebody fairly early on in my own career <laughs>
1: Great question. A really good question. You know, I would say it's trial and error. It's trial and error. You know, when I started early in my career, when in public accounting, when I had to manage people for the first time, I I didn't know what was that leadership style that I needed to have in running a staff for the first time. You know, first job. You know, Um, I think it's trial and error. I think that you realize there's, you know, you, you, you know, you can't micromanage. I learned pretty quickly because you can't do it all by yourself. You have to be able to delegate. So there's a lot of things I started learning as I started managing people and started realizing that my leadership style was it had to be individual. And when I mean by individual, meaning that you don't have a big staff, I have to treat people as individuals, you know? Everyone's different. You can't paint everybody with the same brush. And I think that that leadership style for me was one, first of all, being authentic. making sure that people know who you are i mean and i really believe people really they connect with you not only on the professional level but they want to know something about you many times our leaders don't talk about uh, other than work and i think that some people like to have a personal connection also because like that, that and again that's for me and i think that people like that there's a, there's a there's another link that's more than just professional and i think that's a leadership style that's some people feel uncomfortable about i also think for me, um, I'm vulnerable as a leader, and I'm happy to say that it's not a weakness; it's a strength to be vulnerable and to be able to, you know, know that if things don't go, things go bad learn from that and how to move forward with that. And I think that, and that's the trial and error, it, it's constantly evolving. And I, I think I'm a very different leader now than it was five years ago. I, I can tell you, I keep changing that style a little bit, keep tweaking a little bit more. Um, but now I'm getting to the point that, you know what, I'm almost like, you know, this is, I'm getting closer to who I really want to be. You know, it's, I can't explain it because I'm a different point in my career, but want to be respectful. I want to do all the right things for people, but I'm also, going to be honest as much as possible um, in a nice way, as much as possible. You know what I'm saying? And again, I might not have been a little bit more careful, and now I'm a little bit more like, you know, maybe not pushing the envelope, but just trying to be more, um, I would say, more honest with certain things. Because maybe people, because some people sometimes don't want to be honest for whatever reason. But how can I put it? I would say, um, I, I it's like I'm sometimes I'm, I want to say something. I'm, I'm the voice that that people don't want to talk about. I'm, I'm willing to talk about the white elephant on the table. <laughs>
0: Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Thank you, Steve, for sharing your story. You're an inspiration to so many, and you've impacted so many lives beyond just people's careers. Um, and I'm glad those on the call who might not have known you had the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I look. Olivia, thank you for this. Thank you for having me. Um, thank you all who listened on this webcast today. Um, look, I, I think that I think um, it's honest. It's authentic, um, and hopefully, um, hopefully, people took away something they could take back and think about um, as a leader. And hopefully, um, give back. I mean, give back as much as you can, because we need more of that at, at, at this time than ever.
0: Absolutely. And audience, thank you again for your great questions and comments. You really kept the conversation interesting. And so I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to pass it over to Shivani.